You podcasters have been listening for free for too long. You owe us something. Well, okay. Listen, a lot of you have said, hey, guys, I'd be willing to subscribe and pay X per week or per month for the podcast. You know why we don't charge? Because we're stupid. Because we're stupid. But anyway, why don't you think about what would you be willing to pay per month for the Armstrong and Getty show? And then instead of giving it to us, give it to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Donate it and help our uh, our warriors who are in their time of greatest need. And you got this organization that is all volunteers, and they do fabulous, beautiful, beautiful work helping our guys. So just go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate. It's that simple. Really thought the discussion of that on 60 Minutes last night was interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, And in 60 Minutes style, either they had to pretend to not understand or Nora O'Donnell actually didn't understand. No, I'm not talking about whether it was a good idea to raise taxes. I'm talking about politically how it played. Right. George W. Is Is this that complicated? You know what I've forgotten is that that was not like a wise acre response to a reporter's question or something something like that or just thrown off the cuff. He led up to that with like an entire paragraph of wind-up before that big pitch at the convention. Oh, and said it so regularly. So that was a linchpin. Right. And said it regularly. It was, it was like Bernie Sanders, $27! The crowd chants along. Yeah. Bush's chant was no new taxes, then he raised taxes. That'll hurt you politically. Sure. That'll yeah. hurt you politically. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, it's amazing to think of a politician who, who, and, you know, you can agree or disagree with the policy, says, yeah, I did promise that over and over again, but clearly I have to just shoot myself in the foot politically to do what's right for the country, and I'm going to. That was the sort of guy H.W. was. We need to play, even though it's really not that important to the whole passing of the 41st president, W's story about Putin and his dad, just because it was funny. So that's coming up. We need an update right now, though, on how much money we've raised already for the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Do we have music? How does this work? Oh, yeah, we have a drum roll. And then Sean tells us how much money we've raised. $11,260. Already? $11,000? Yes. Here's what we're trying to do. Raise money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station that does incredible work directly with our hurt and sick warriors uh, just when they need it the most. And there are over 300 uh, sailors, Marines, um, uh, soldiers right now who we want to fly home to be with their families for the holidays. If you can give a little... Give a little. You got 10, 20 bucks. God bless you. Thank you for giving up, uh, you know, a few dollars when you don't have a lot. I call that the Sean Thomas donation plan. Right. What, whatever you got, whatever you can do. Uh, but as always, my whales. Where are my whales at? Where the whales? Where the whales? If this country's been really, really good to you, and you're a wealthy person, let's see how generously you can give. Armstrongandgetty.com. Let's get these guys and gals home for the holidays. Armstrongandgetty.com. Remember, over 94% of contributions to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station go right to the guys. That's an astounding percentage. What? The whale noises. How long are we going to have whale noises? I think maybe earlier than they that Was that actual whale or was that my stomach after I eat spaghetti sauce? Those are the whale calls. Okay. 
Where my whales at? All right, ArmstrongandGetty.com. My stomach makes that same noise after big big meal. All right, stop it. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, whales are cool, obviously. Somebody comes in with the big money. That's very, very great. But yeah. you, you get to $300,000 with a whole bunch of people with medium-sized. 10, 20, 100, yeah. 200, 300, yeah. 500, whatever you can afford, yeah. So a buddy of mine uh, emailed this to me, and it was one of those things where I thought, this is too perfect. i got to do a little Googling around to see if this is actually true. Because it's just a little too perfect. You see this sort of stuff on the Internet all the time. I did some Googling around, and unless whoever put this together is really good, it's true. Uh, Noticed by a friend of mine on a, a website that he looks at called Why We Hate the Media. And it had two different headline stories from the New York Times, one in January, one in November, about the wildfires, side by side. Oh, boy. The first story back in January... California today, 100 million dead trees prompt fears of giant wildfires. That story goes on, and I'll I'll quote it here in a little bit, about how the conditions are set for wildfires beyond anybody's imagination of how bad and and fast they could be because of all the dead trees and scientists talking about that. A few months later, after that fire happens, and then Trump says something about California's management of the forests, which the New York Times had reported on a few months earlier. Mm. Their headline is, Trump's misleading claims about California's fire management, in quotes, and how Trump is trying to deflect from global warming by claiming California didn't manage their forests, right? Even though they had an article in their own newspaper earlier in the year that said things like this. The more than 100 million trees that died in California after being weakened by drought and insect infestations have transformed large swaths of the Sierra Nevada into browned-out tree cemeteries. This week, a group of scientists warned in the journal Bioscience that the dead trees could produce wildfires on a scale and of an intensity that California has never seen. Which is something. Wow. Uh, Coming in the aftermath of the deadly and destructive fires last year, The warning is sobering because the scientists say they cannot even calculate the damage the dead tree fires might cause. It exceeds what their current fire behavior modeling can simulate. It's something that's going to be much more severe, said Scott Stevens, a professor of fire science at Berkeley. My friend knows this guy, and this guy was saying this to him years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Mark Finney, an expert in fire behavior in the U.S. Forest Service and an author of the study, says California fires are much more vulnerable now because, paradoxically, they have been better protected talks about how the uh, forests used to be thin, they aren't anymore, blah, blah, blah. They had that article about how because of the management of the forests of California, there could be fires beyond anything anybody's ever seen before. Right. Then when it happens, and Trump mentions that, the New York Times attacks him right. for, you know, another Trump lie right. in their same newspaper. That's from a website called Why We Hate the Media, which is pretty good. Because I live in the woods, I have spoken to uh, multiple actual foresters, and we've had many professional foresters right into the show. And they were talking about that very issue of the dead and dying trees and why they couldn't do anything about them. The regulatory mess that is state and federal laws about that. And it was just so frustrating to listen to. And that was before uh, the wildfires the last year and this year. Um, yeah, that that's a good reason to hate the media. Yeah. And, and as I've made the point many times, and have yet to be contradicted, Jerry Brown, 
and the government of California is yelling about Donald Trump and and climate change to distract you from their own murderous record of mismanagement of public utilities and the forests. Again, they delayed for almost a decade producing a map of where utilities were most likely to cause fires because the utilities lobbyists run the Public Utilities Commission. It, and, and they are absolutely guilty. And there are lawyers and judges who are going to be looking good and hard at that. Of course, you know, the, the, the ratepayers will probably end up paying the freight anyway. But there is a reason the government of California is howling about climate change, and that is to get you away from the blood on their hands. And again... You feel like you can contradict me with facts? Fire away. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or text us, 415-295-KFTC. I have been specifically and strenuously accusing the CPUC and Governor Brown of having blood on their hands from the fire victims, and I've yet to be contradicted. That's a heck of a thing to say, and you're right. Nobody has... uh... Push back against that? No. It's it's obvious what's going on. Part of the problem would be Those pushing. Those who write the political checks got to decide what the policy would be. Pushing back against that would draw more attention to it. Now, um, Got to get to this Al Sharpton story. Plus controversy engulfing the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Hot women in bras and panties or... Bra full of controversy. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> Are we undressing the racism? Mm. Let me me wait a minute. We'll push and lift the facts. Wings on a pig, but mm, something. You don't like push and lift the facts? Lift and separate the facts? Lift and support the facts. We'll lift and support the facts. We'll push the facts up into view. (laughs) Next. I think I get it now. Um, we're going to talk more about the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station and why you should donate money this week. It's right. a great, great cause. Go to the website right now, armstrongandgetty.com. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. I was just out on a fishing boat a couple of weeks ago uh, that goes 60, 70 miles an hour. Yes. And that will get your attention. I had never been on the water that fast in a boat before. It's a little scary. So last last night on 60 Minutes... They don't have brakes, you see. <laughs> last night on 60 Minutes, uh, three former presidents, Bush, Obama, and Clinton, talking about George Bush Sr. and... The son, George W. Bush, told this story about Putin. You may have heard of him, leader of Russia, coming to Kennebuckport and meeting his dad, George Bush Sr., and how they went out in the boat. So he said, you want to go out in our boat? And uh, Putin said, oh, I'd love to go. And so Putin has this interpreter. (laughs) That's kind of a, uh, you know, it didn't look like much of an outdoorsman. And (laughs) the old man opens that thing up full blast, and this guy, I'm standing next to this interpreter, is like, white knuckles, you know, hanging on to the boat, wondering if he's going to live. And he's cutting through these waves. It's just classic George Bush. What was Putin doing? He loved it. You know, Putin was kind of one of these macho dudes that he salt spray coming across, you know, and he thought it was wonderful. Just the interpreter was a little 
Nerve rack. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's classic W right there. That laugh in the shoulder. <laughs> and he started to say, he said the interpreter was kind of a... And he started to say something that started with a P. What? And nah. yeah, I watched. I rewound it to make sure. A proud <laughs> Russian. Uh, 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 I don't know if he was going to say pansy or what he was going to say, and he decided to say not much of an outdoors. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. Obviously, sixty minutes did too, because it wasn't important to the whole tenor of the, the the theme of the show. But they had it in there anyway. Right. Well, that was that was H W. I mean, he was a real gent. And uh, polite, self-effacing, all those things we've been talking about. But he was the opposite of a wimp. He was a hard ass. Yeah. There is definitely a something. Daredevil. There is definitely something to the end of the World War II generation um, uh, being involved in politics. There's, there's no doubt the, the people that grew up in the Depression and World War II they, they had a different view of life in the world, oh, please. than those who followed. That's just, just a fact. You got George H. W. Flies, was it 68 missions? It was a lot. Yeah, um, as a fighter pilot in World War II, shot down, etc., the sole survivor of, of his plane being shot down. And he came home and with a wife and child, enrolled in college and, and was raising children as he went through college as a uh, an athlete as well. And then you have a generation that goes to pieces if the professor brings up something that makes them vaguely uncomfortable or that they disagree with. They, they crumble and, and cry and demand a restitution from the chancellor. That's a hell of a contrast. Has it been announced yet whether or not Trump's speaking at the service on Wednesday? That I was not it was known clear earlier, wasn't it, that he would not be invited to? He'll be there. you got to be there, right? Uh, yeah, I guess he I wasn't mean, even at McCain's funeral. But you got to be you, the sitting yeah, maybe president. I'm thinking of McCain's. Yeah. The sitting president has to be at a former president. At the state funeral, yeah, a- absolutely. And Obama's going to give a speech, I'm sure, and I assume Clinton will, and obviously W will. Probably won't be at the the, ser- the family service. No, 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 no. I'm yeah, talking at a the big state funeral. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, listen, I realize DC is the seat of government, and we got the big beautiful cathedral and the rest of it, but. He's from Houston. He was in Houston. He's going to be buried in Houston. We go have the big funeral at Houston. Uh, that makes sense to me. I guess he, he, he lies in state in the state in the national capital, so people can pay their respects. I get it. I guess, but hmm. I don't know. We all know who Al Sharpton is, right? Al Sharpton, who uh, resist we much and we must, and with that we must be committed. Yes, he's a self-aggrandizing and enriching hustler who claims to be a civil rights activist. Michael, do we have that? Finally over. That's uh, that's not Al Sharpton. Taking that as a no. Um, So Al Sharpton has a uh, charity, the National Action Network, and it uh, Al Sharpton's stepping down from the National uh, Action Network, and he made a uh, a higher than normal two hundred forty four thousand dollars in salary this year. He took took a bigger salary than he normally does in his year on the way out the door. We're about to talk about Warrior Foundation Freedom Station again coming up. We want you to donate at armstrongandgetty.com. President Sandy takes no money, neither do any of the volunteers. It's all volunteers. Al Sharpton, who's trying to change the world through his charity, took a salary in his last year, when nobody can do anything about it, of $244,000, and here's the capper. His charity just bought his life story. 
for a half a million dollars. Ah, that's nice. So his own charity just took money people had donated to deal with race relations and all this different sort of stuff. They took a half a million dollars to buy his life story and give the money to him. So with the salary and the book, he made three quarters of a million dollars from his own charity this year. In a single year. Right. How do you like that? He is such a fraud. But if anything happens between blacks and whites this week, he will be the go-to spokesman. On MSNBC. Or we have... More to go to build a movement of resistance. But resist, we much. We must and we will much about that be committed. Hard argument. Mm. I wonder if they'll engrave that on the Al Sharpton Memorial on the National Mall. Unbelievable. That yeah. takes some cojones, doesn't it? <laughs> oh to have God. your charity buy your life story for half a million dollars. He says, well, they'll profit from it when that when my life story is made into a movie and they sell the rights to the movie company. That, yeah. So they'll come out ahead. It's an investment. For, I'm actually giving it to them at a discounted price. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what that deal yeah. says specifically. Yeah. About who gets the money and when and where. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, you know, I think he, he was emboldened by his whole presidential run, which garnered millions and millions and millions of dollars of contributions, which was, according to all accounts of the people, the, the press on tour with him, it was an opportunity to stay in the finest hotels, eat the finest food, drink Skillets the finest drinks. and iced tea. Well, he bounced around, <laughs> well, he um, bounced around the country and made speeches here and there. Beautiful. What a fine fellow. Speaking of controversy, Jack, we have a C cup, and the C is for controversy. The C cup full of controversy. Cups overflowing with controversy, one texter said. Yes. Okay. Victoria's Secret, the fashion show, hotly anticipated by people who don't know where to find softcore porn elsewhere. God, the, that is weak. Hint, it's everywhere. God yes. dang it. So you want to look at scantily clad women and you're going to go with the Victoria's Secret model show for it? On network television. All right. Exactly. Well, it, like many things, it used to be a big thing. And according to the write-up here in the Washington Post, the stories leading up to the 2018 Victoria's Secret fashion show don't thrill the company. Instead of, and this is what they trot out as probably the correct storylines or the appropriate storylines, Instead of people focusing on high-profile models such as Kendall Jenner or Gigi Hadid or Adriana Lima's retirement, mm. there were lots of think pieces. So I gotta get—I'm sorry—I gotta spend a minute on the what we ought to be focused on, which is a handful of women who are proportionally put together. They're skinny, but they have large breasts, and that is what we ought to be worshipful toward. Okay. Anyway, we're not. Instead, we're contemplating in the major media whether the annual lingerie runway show is problematic, whether it has a place in an era of corporate wokeness. Some viewers are boycotting the show because of the lack of plus-size models and transgender women. Oh, wow. Yeah. The chief marketing officer for L Brands, which is Victoria's Secret's parent company, parent company one Ed Razek. Just one parent's? Broken home. Single parents. parents. That's why it's <laughs> running around in its underwear because it needs its seeking love. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's desperate. Wow. It's needy. That's too much. Well, in an interview with Vogue last month, Razek was asked whether Victoria's Secret felt the need to address the way the market is shifting with other brands featuring plus size or transgender women. And he said, if you're asking if we've considered putting a transgender model in the show or looking at plus size models, yeah, we have. Plus, we invented the plus size model show with Lane Bryant, but there was a little interest in it. 
Plus, um, we're a private company and we get to do it however we want. And if we sell underwear that way, fine. And if we don't, well, that's our problem. But shouldn't you include a trans model? He said, no, I don't think we should. Well, the show is a fantasy. It's a 42-minute entertainment special. That's what it is. And the Internet went crazy with anger. Of course, the Internet woke up crazy with anger this morning and will go to bed crazy with anger tonight. (laughs) And he apologized for his insensitive comments and made it clear we would absolutely cast a transgender model for the show. So now, ogling women in underwear has now become clouded with controversial social politics. Wow, what's coming up your news, Marshall? Well, remembering 41, more of his advice. We got a report from the U.S.-Mexico border. What's going on with the caravans? And the U.S. is landing on an asteroid today. The caravan? Wasn't that like six months ago? Stories come and go fast in the modern world. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. On the Victoria's Secret inclusiveness controversy that erupted over the weekend without me knowing it, uh, we got this text. Victoria's Secret story is perfect for cable news. The reporter speaks slowly in serious tones while infinite B-roll of women in lingerie is looped on TV. Right. That is perfect. Signal their virtue and talk about inclusion and transgender rights and plus-size models while women's booties and breastises are on display. Right, and they can justify it. That's funny. News now with Marsha Phillips. George H.W. Bush is on his final trip to Washington, the capital city remembering the 41st president's lifetime of public service. Bush will lie in state in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda for a ceremony and public visitation from Monday through Wednesday. That'll be followed up by an invitation-only funeral service before he is returned to Houston to be laid to rest. Was it Clinton or Obama last night on 60 Minutes that said he was the, Bush was the most prepared person ever to be president? I would that's say. A, yeah, that's a, a pretty common mm-hmm. sentiment. As a, it's amazing. As an actual combat veteran envoy right. to China's CIA director. Right. Two-term VP. Right. Hey, what's the, the thousand points of light thing that people keep referencing? What, what is that? A, uh, I, a he was, uh, it was partly a counter-argument to the idea that big government should do everything charitable right. in America. He said we'd be better off if we had a thousand points of light of Americans doing for their communities and pitching in and looking out for each other and that sort of thing. He was uh, brutally mocked for that at the time by the left-leaning media. One of those points of light, the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, or you, as donating to it. We're going to be talking more about that coming up. But anyway, back to Marsha Phillips. At the state field, uh, funeral at Washington's National Cathedral on Wednesday, President Trump will be there along with the First Lady. We do not have any word from the family yet on who is going to be speaking at that funeral. Bush Sr., remembered as a smart, level-headed, well-intentioned man, passing on advice like this over the years. Use power to help people. For we are given power not to advance our own purposes, nor to make a great show in the world, nor a name. There is but one just use of power, and it is to serve people. And Bush also making this point. Give the other guy credit. That's an important thing in life. Don't be talking about yourself all the time. Give the other person credit. No matter what you're doing, whether you're President of the United States or just working in a job, give the other person credit. So I guarantee you, in the coming days, the media is going to use every opportunity they can to compare and contrast anything about George H.W. Bush and Donald Trump. Maybe that's appropriate, but it's going to be pretty over the top. 
Washington Examiner uh, reporting this morning at the border, the city government of Tijuana has announced it has closed down a migrant shelter at the sports complex that's really close to the U.S. border. That's the one that held about 6,000 Central Americans who are hoping to get into the U.S. Officials said all the migrants were being moved now to a former concert venue, which is farther from the border. The city said in their statement the sports complex shelter had to be closed because of bad sanitary conditions. The experts had been expressing concern about the conditions that uh, developed at the partially flooded complex where the migrants have been packed into a space adequate for half their numbers. Mud, lice, infestations, and a lot of respiratory infections were apparently rampant. So they, they shut that down and they moved them further from the border. Meanwhile, Senator Kamala Harris is set to decide soon on whether or not she's going to run for president in 2020. At a uh, conference in San Francisco over the weekend, the junior U.S. Senator from California said it will ultimately be a family decision. It could come after the holidays. The Oakland native also saying if she enters the race, it is going to be ugly, really ugly. She spoke about breaking barriers and acknowledged that, quote, when you break things, it's painful, but it will be worth it. This next year, politically, could be the ugliest since 1800. Or maybe 1860. Um, I saw a reporter with The Atlantic. Uh, he said he's been talking to lots of Democrats in leadership positions on Capitol Hill. You know, how far are you willing to take or planning to take this in the new year? The whole investigating Trump's taxes, business deals, this, that. Oh, we're I mean, over the top. So his indication is that, that, that really, really, really going big <clears throat> on this stuff in these committees starting day one. And it's a pretty good way to get the spotlight if you're Kamala Harris or one of the other uh, would-be candidates. In the midst of a presidential election, which is always ugly. So it could just be off the charts this next year and a half, two years. Yay! (laughs) Super. We got a spacecraft set to touch down on an asteroid today. The Aureus Rex will arrive at the distant asteroid right around 9 o'clock this morning. Spacecraft's going to land on an asteroid while it's flying through space. Yes. This America ast- kicks asteroids. How, That's my headline. How big is this asteroid? <laughs> I don't have a size of the asteroid. 100 miles long. 47 across. <laughs> 47 <laughs> Keep moving. Size of a toaster. <laughs> anyway, it's after a two-year journey covering two million miles. <clears throat> the SUV-sized spacecraft. Okay, so it's got to be big enough for the SUV-sized spacecraft. It's a driveway-sized asteroid, Marshall. It is uh, designed to collect a sample from the asteroid and return that sample to Earth, which would would be a first for a NASA mission. That's so you incredible. got this asteroid hurtling through space at 50,000 miles per hour Somebody find me the size on this thing. You get, here's what you do. Here's what you got to do, Marshall. You get yep. your spacecraft, and you have it catch up to the thing first. That's the first thing you got to <laughs> yeah. do. Then you have it pull up next to it. Yeah. You got to parallel right. it for a while. Right, right. And then it's a little closer. Right. A little closer, a little closer. Then back off a little bit and take another look. And then you inch closer, closer, closer. You just land right on there. Then you jump on its back. <laughs> and ride it. And you dig in your tires. And you're riding it across space. I'm picturing tires. Why would our spacecraft have tires? So they're gonna well, take I'm a... picturing tires. Then yeah. you put on your parking brake because the thing's hurtling through space. Right. So they're going to take a chunk of it? Yeah. And then bring it back to Earth? Yes. Right. Wow, that's incredible. And we'll all perish from 
space pneumonia or something. Nice. Only good can come of this. That's what yeah. sci-fi movies have taught Some sort of crazy space pneumonia. Asteroid goo. Have you figured out how big this asteroid is yet? I'm looking at a... As hell, according to scientists. Radius is uh, 800 with the single apostrophe. What is that? Feet? Inches? I don't know. (laughs) Single apostrophe is feet. 800 feet across is the radius. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty big. Good, solid radius. That is big. You can park your SUV spaceship with ease there. Maybe even a boat. (laughs) A boat. A boat size second craft. All right, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. And room for your tennis equipment in the that's corner that you right. haven't used for five years. That's the radius. You looking for mass? I got the mass on this No, thing. mass won't do us any good. <laughs> well, I mean, what if it's a gigantic, like, balsa wood right. meteor? Then it'd be totally different than if it's made of lead. And one more question yeah. on this. Is there a timetable for this? I mean, like, is this going to happen by this weekend, or will it be 50 years from now long after I'm dead? When will we get this? When it comes back? Yeah. I do not have a timetable. Okay. So we have very well, it took two years to get out there, so another two years back. At least. Yeah. Matt um, checks out. Yes. <laughs> the Matt yeah. checks out on that. So this is the week we're going to raise a lot of money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. If you don't know what that is, man, what a great cause. It is a great cause, and it's not the one that sounds kind of like it. It's Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. We're going to talk to one of the Marines that has been helped enormously. Uh, about what it did for him and the program in general. We got a goal of $300,000 by Friday, which yes. is dang ambitious. We'll figure out where we are currently. You can go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. I will keep America moving forward, always forward, for a better America, for an endless, enduring dream and a thousand points of light. This is my mission, and I will complete it. You know, a lot of talk about uh, uh, the 41st president, obviously, George Bush Sr., and um, the Thousand Points of Light thing. And here's an opportunity right now for you to be part of that movement. Right. This is our big week raising money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Not only all of their great programs to help injured and sick uh, soldiers, sailors, Marines, uh, but also send them home for the holidays. There are 321, I think, roughly, soldier sailors and Marines uh, right now uh, at the uh, Naval Medical Station, Balboa, in uh, San Diego. And we want to send them home to be with their families for the holidays. And it costs several hundred dollars per round-trip ticket, as you might imagine. Uh, but uh, once again, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, over 94% of your money goes directly to the guys. Everybody's a volunteer. And uh, one of the uh, the fellows who's who's benefited from Warrior Foundation Freedom Station become a supporter is Povis McNitus, uh, U.S. Marine Corps combat veteran. Povis joins us now. Povis, how are you, brother? Doing well. How are you guys? We're good. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, for, for folks who don't know a lot about Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, can you just kind of tell us uh, what your experience was and how they've helped you? 
Oh, man. Well, it, it all started back in 2000 and uh, let's see, I'm trying to recall when I was in the hospital. I was at the hospital. 2010 um, was the day, was the year that I, that I met Sandy Lumcooler. She's the president of the Warrior Foundation. And, and I recall one morning we were called out into formation uh, around this time of year, probably maybe a month earlier. And we were standing in formation with our platoon sergeants there, and, and we've got these ladies in front of us that we don't really recognize. We're going, okay, who are these, who are these people? Why are we called down? And, uh, and they, they give us a little spiel about, you know, Christmas and, and festivities, and, and, and then they say, you know, you know we're going to send you guys home. Or not, they didn't say we're going to send you guys home. They said, you guys are going to wake up in your own beds on Christmas Day. And, you know, thinking about that for a couple seconds, you go, what, what does she mean by that? It's like, okay, I'm going to imagine I'm in my bed. Okay, great. Uh-huh. And we look at the postcard that they had handed out to all of us, and it says something along the lines of this is, this is a flight home. Um, we're going we're gonna to pay for your flight there to and from San Diego to wherever, wherever your hometown is. And that was, that was the first time I ever met Sandy Lumcooler with the Warrior Foundation, and that was one of the best gifts I've ever received in my life. How did you uh, come to be at uh, the medical center? So I was uh, in the Marine Corps, and I, I had done a tour to Iraq, um, gotten back from that safely, and then did our workup and, and did a, a tour to Afghanistan. Um, during my tour to Afghanistan, it, uh, I ended up getting blown up with a number of my other teammates as well. And we were shipped all across the country based on our injuries. And um, we, I ended up at Balboa because of the, uh, the injuries that I received. The specialists, the doctors that are, that are good at, at treating the injuries that I had were at Balboa Hospital. And I, uh, that, that's eventually how I, I ended up there. I spent about three years doing surgeries and therapies. That was back in 2009 was when I first got there, end of 2009. And then um, I actually, I've had surgeries all the way up until the beginning of this year, honestly. But the main, the main block of them were for the first three years while I was there at the hospital. So there you are in the midst of years of surgery and rehab and the rest of it. And like, you, like a Marine that you are, you kind of just say, yeah, there are surgeries. <laughs> You're unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so there you are in the midst of that, which is more difficulty than most of us can imagine. And you get the message you're going to be with your family for Christmas. I'm guessing that meant a lot to you. It did. It did. I mean, it especially not just meant a lot to me, but also meant a lot to my family. I mean, think about what the news my, my mother had heard when when she first heard that I was blown up and she didn't really see any pictures of me. She just knew I was in an explosion and, you know, I was injured and I was going to receive treatment on the West Coast here. And, you know, she's back in Illinois in the Midwest that hasn't had a chance really to see me yet. And to be able to hear the news that I was going to be home for Christmas, um, it, they were very pensive when I when they first picked me up at the airport, and uh, you know they were kind of looking at me, and I I think they were, you know, it, you really could see the joy in their eyes to see that I was in one piece, um, and that I, I was not as you know they they had heard all these stories that you know they probably thought the worst, right? And, and um, though you'd yeah. physically been changed, obviously, and. Had a hell of an experience. You were still you. I mean, that's as a dad, I'm telling you, you pick up a, a child who's had a traumatic experience, and you want to make sure they're still them and they're going to be okay. Yeah. 
No. So they, they got that opportunity to, to see me over the holidays. I think I spent roughly a, a week at home, which is also wonderful, too, because a, a Christmas in Chicago is definitely Christmas, if anybody knows. It's <laughs> uh, very <laughs> – you get your white Christmas. It's it's what everybody sings about in the holiday songs. So. Yeah, Povis McNitus, U.S. Marine Corps combat veteran. He's uh, been part of Warrior Foundation Freedom Station for several years now. And we have 300-some more warriors that we want to have – similar stories to be able to tell over the years. We send them home for the holidays, and it takes money. And that's what we're doing right uh, here. Go to armstrongandgetty.com to donate. And again, Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is amazing in how um, efficient they are with the money. 94.1% goes directly to our warriors. Yeah, and Povis, we've got like 30 seconds left, but uh, were there other programs and things you did with Warrior Foundation Freedom Station through the years? Oh man, they they do they do everything. I mean, I, I was in their transitional housing for a couple of years, and that's kind of what I I picked up on with them is, is then helping maintain the housing. But I mean, right now around this time, we've got like you said, 321 guys um, that we're flying home, and and we don't just feed San Diego. I mean, we're we're taking guys along the whole West Coast. We work very closely with the military hospitals, and and so they they uh, recommend individuals to us. And, and we, we've got a very good working relationship with, with them. So it's it's not just, I mean, I want people to know it's not just San Diego. We're working with guys on all over the West Coast, all the way up into Hawaii, and, and we touch guys all across the nation as well. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've, yeah. Povis McNitus, U.S. Marine Corps combat veteran, part of Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Hey, uh, Povis, great to talk to you again, and we'll see you in a couple of days. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. I think we should do a total as we're on our way. We hope to $300,000 by Friday, which is pretty aggressive. But here, drum roll, please. Where are we currently? Day one, we've been at this for a couple hours now. 15840 American dollars. It's a start. Okay. $15,000. It is a start. we got to get these guys home for the holidays and... You know, go on with the, the programs of Warrior Foundation Freedom Station with the counseling for PTSD and, and getting used to prosthetics and the job training and the how to handle a checking account and and just all the support that they all get living in a community uh, there for each other. The programs are just heartbreakingly wonderful, and your money is used so efficiently. Give now. If you're going to raise three hundred thousand in a five-day week, you got to uh, you got to get about sixty grand a day. So we got to get on our horses. I realize a lot of you are hearing this, and you get your chance to donate later. But it's just go to ArmstrongandGetty.com. Oh, I'm going to donate because we always like to show how easy and fast it is. It's easy to do. You can do it in just a couple of minutes. Right. You can easily do it uh, in the next three minutes. Uh, by the time we're back. Armstrongandgetty.com. Just go there. There's a big old link. If you have any problem, email us and, and we'll sit you straight and get you here. Whether it's a little or a lot, please give now. Armstrongandgetty.com. More on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> 